everybody. I'm Maya. I'm Melissa. And I'm Olivia. And we're here to take you back to your, your Twilight phase. <laughs> oh, shit. Hello. Oh, Melissa's sick. And I can't. We, we didn't record on our regular day, but we're still sort of forcing her to record. Mm-hmm. I don't so. have COVID. Yay! I got tested. Just yeah. a bad cold. Yep. COVID is not detected in my body. That's great. <laughs> I'm very glad, but I'm sorry you're sick. Thanks for showing up for the pod anyways. I we mean, are recording this on a Saturday where we are also planning to post it. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I that we've done this like so many times before. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when we first started recording, I was like, guys, we should really like get ahead. Like we shouldn't mm-hmm. start releasing until we're like ahead by like two episodes. We used to do to that. Up. Before the pandemic. Stay, we stayed ahead a little bit, but also didn't re- release very often. Right. It was very sporadic when we released. Yeah. Now that we record remotely, it's great. Now we're famous and people have <laughs> expectations. <laughs> yeah, you guys, I got recognized earlier. <laughs> what? You mean- Wait, tell me about it. No, I'm lying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, you mean by our friend who you saw in the voting line, <laughs> who knows okay. you from Listeners. real life? Here's what happened to me this morning that's unrelated to this, but it's what Olivia was just saying. I went to early vote. I already have my absentee ballot, so I just dropped hey. it off. Listeners, do you have your voting plan ready? Vote, vote, mm-hmm. vote. Uh, I uh, will uh. say that Twilight Phase podcast has officially endorsed voting. The, the Harris-Biden ticket. Yeah, no, we endorse <laughs> Biden specifically. Yeah, so go ahead and... Vote if you have any questions about how to do vote, we have ask us. Trump supporters that listen to us? I doubt I it. Let's not talk. I don't think they could get, get this the far. fuck out. Can I say that? <laughs> Give us your <laughs> money and leave. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, it's your podcast. It's your yeah, it's my podcast. podcast. But even in New York City, the line to vote was so long and I didn't have to wait in it because I just had to drop my ballot off but Scott had to wait because he didn't get his ballot so Aww. like just finding how did the that end of also the happen how did that happen to your boyfriend and to my boyfriend that exact same scenario is going to happen to us I got my absentee ballot and I'm gonna drop it off and Adrian's gonna have to wait in a line to vote anyways okay. don't be scared of long I lines have a boyfriend and it's I worth can't relate it. to this mutual situation that you guys both have it's fine I'm single and I'm well, happy about this it well Melissa what's your really voting bringing plan me and Olivia closer together and you're missing out on it yeah it's bullshit <laughs> Melissa what's anyway I saw plan? a friend in line um I got my absentee ballot in the mail it was addressed to the wrong address oh who were those people um I guess I was either those people or they just wrote my address wrong in the first place. I don't know. Oh, I don't know how it works. Um, but anyway, I'm going to put that in the mailbox today. I love it. Yeah. Great right. voting plan. <laughs> Thank you. Vote, 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 vote. Well, you know what vote, else we love vote. here at Twilight Phase? Uh, experts. You guys. That wasn't a very good segue. I'm sorry I tried. <laughs> Maybe she's not an expert in segues, but we have some amazing listener letters from really people good. who are experts in their fields. <laughs> so long ago. Yeah, this one's from September 21st. Mackenzie, sorry for the delay. <laughs> We're Honestly, we just built the anticipation. Well, I guess we never talked about it either. We might have mentioned we, anti- we built the anticipation for ourselves. <laughs> this one is too long to read the whole thing, but every word is just really kind of amazing so we might like dig deeper into it in a bonus episode but I'm gonna excerpt it here so just a fantastic subject line right off the bat a capital defense attorney's reaction to episode 29 Edward slash Alice's capital trial with the Voltori yes so if you guys remember from episode 29 we were like why would they like, this doesn't make any sense. They, they're like, oh, Edward, Alice, we wouldn't kill you guys. We would just kill Bella. We were like, that makes no sense. Right, Mackenzie is like, rule. you guys are not attorneys. I am an attorney. <laughs> Wait, I want to give the context to what doesn't make sense to me, which is okay, just that ahead. the Volturi have a rule that you can never tell humans about vampires, like being a vampire secret. 
and Edward told Bella about it. And now they're in Italy in front of the Volturi. And they're like, oh yeah, we would kill Bella, but we wouldn't kill Edward. I'm like, why are you killing the victim here? She didn't tell no one nothing, but Edward told her. And so I was like, why would Edward get away punishment list? That makes no sense to me. It still makes uh, no sense. Mackenzie knows well, the answer. Mackenzie explains it to us. Well, I already don't like that there's an explanation for this thing that doesn't make sense. Okay, well, well I you listen love to the explanation, explanation so before you decide if it makes sense or not. Here's okay. what she says. She says, when I reread this chapter, I, as an attorney, that was Maya's addition, intuitively understood why the Volturi could not kill Edward and Alice, but would have to kill Bella under their own laws. A proposition with which it seems all three of you disagreed. I just want to call attention to it seems. That's so lawyery to me. We definitely vehemently disagreed. Yeah, not supposed to make it. It doesn't make any sense anymore. This email explains why that is exactly the result most likely to occur, at least in the American justice system, in case you guys are interested. I'm are we a fan interested. of the American justice system as a whole? No, but I mean, we're not. That's, but it's that's not irrelevant. about if you like it. Okay. Well, I just in to criminal law, there. there is a mental component to most crimes. I think this is pronounced mens rea, but I don't know. I mean, that society right. society con- considers intentional wrongdoing more deserving of punishment because the bad actor is legally guilty but also morally culpable. They intended to bring about an action or a harm that society is unwilling to tolerate. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm skipping ahead a bit now. If you mean to kill somebody, it's worse. Than if you accidentally Than if you them. do it by accident. Yeah. In I, the that US, makes sense to me. Right. Perfect. So you're following. So In far the US, following. Murder is the only capital crime we still prosecute. In Twilight, of course, exposure is another capital crime. In a capital trial, the prosecution must prove the defendant killed another person intentionally. So now I'm skipping ahead a little more. Extrapolating from this, I imagine the Volturi consider exposure to be an intent crime, and likely a high intent crime. Therefore, vampires are only criminally liable for breaking the law when they purposefully expose a human to the vampire world or do something they know is very likely to cause exposure, such as making large, uncontrollable armies of newborns to fight turf wars, a la Jasper's backstory, without planning to turn them into a vampire, or, you know, eat them. So while Bella's knowledge of the Cullen's immortality is a legal breach, neither Edward nor Alice are criminally liable for it because they lack the requisite intent. But they intended to tell Bella about vampires. No, they didn't. She figured it out before they told her anything. Oh, that's right. I already forgot that. And she, like, kind of, like, wiggled her way into it. Like, they never did anything, obviously. Like, you couldn't argue that Edward saving her from the van was, like, an obvious intent to right. expose okay. vampires. It was like a thing that he did that was maybe a poor decision in terms of exposure. Right. Like okay. also she just kind of figured it out. Yeah, I wouldn't call saving her from the van. Right, like Jacob technically cause exposure. is the yeah, one who- This is exactly what yes. Mackenzie says. She says, Edward committed no criminal action because he did not tell Bella about the vampire world. Jacob and a seedy website did. (laughs) And he never intended for her to find out. Therefore, Edward never committed a criminal act and he lacked the requisite mens rea. He's not guilty on both accounts, as is Alice. Okay, but then why does Bella have to die? Because she knows. Mackenzie explains it. (laughs) I'm going to give you some narrative here. She's very thorough, okay? (laughs) She's a capital defense attorney. She's thorough. I'm just giving you the necessary narrative. I'm sorry. Right? I'm the audience here. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to skip ahead because, like I said before, it's long. We should really dig into this in, like, a whole other episode. Mm -hmm. Edward and Alice would both realistically walk away from a capital trial in the U.S., But the law was still broken. Bella was exposed to the vampire world, and Edward has no intention to turn her into a vampire. And Arrow doesn't know about Alice's intent to turn her until after Marcus says Bella has to die. Humans like that aren't allowed to exist unless the Volturi say so, and they aren't saying so here. Bella doesn't have their approval to continue living. Therefore, Bella forfeits her life under their laws. Neither Edward nor Alice are criminally liable for the breach, and both lack the culpability required to impose a death sentence, but breaking the law has legal consequences. If the Cullens won't turn her, the Volturi will kill her. 
All right, that's where I'm, I mean, it makes sense, but that that's where I'm like, okay, but why, I mean. Well, Bella's not really being killed because of this law being broken. Bella's just being killed because she can't exist, and they claim jurisdiction over all humans just because. Yeah. Uh, my favorite line from Tyler. this entire email is, and I think S. Meyer stumbled <laughs> bass backwards into the correct answer here, at least insofar as criminal law goes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, my next question was, did S. Meyer, like, in- intentionally She might have intuited her way into this. She was probably like, well, uh, the Volturi don't want to kill Edward and Alice. And, like, I could see them feeling like they're not actually guilty. Right. Okay. They didn't okay, do anything I mean, on yeah. purpose. That that makes sense to me. I mean, I don't like it necessarily. You know, Bella didn't do shit. <laughs> so, like, don't kill her. But, I mean, agreed. But, but guess that what? that tracks because we don't like the American criminal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the very next day, we received <laughs> an email from Ronald titled, undiagnosed mental health disorders of twilight characters hey ron two experts in two days you'll love to see it he said love listening to your podcast after my second twilight phase which came right when midnight sun was announced of course i had to go back and reread the twilight saga and reading this series as an adult and as a psychiatrist i have some things to say i dated a psychiatrist once and it was really intimidating yeah that does sound difficult Ronald here lays out how Bella Swan has undiagnosed emotionally unstable personality disorder, also known as borderline personality disorder. Uh, Based on the following characteristics, there's 13 of them. (laughs) Pattern of intense, unstable relationships, chronic feelings of emptiness, impulsive risk-taking behavior, suicidal tendencies, stress-induced psychotic symptoms, hallucinations, paranoia, desire to change identity, difficulty holding down significant friendships, dramatic mood swing, mood swings and intense emotions, chronic low self-esteem, attraction to danger, intense fear of abandonment, both real and imaginary, pattern of melodramatic life events, oh my god, if that's not a description of Twilight, (laughs) intense distress leading to dissociative episodes. Um, Essentially, she meets almost every one of the diagnostic criteria, according to some very official sounding thing. Mostly in New Moon, but also across the entirety of the saga. My question, I think, for this is that given the fact that we decided that, you know, because this is such a star-crossed love series and, like, Edward is a vampire and therefore a lot of the reactions that she has make sense because he is technically, like, not supposed to be real anyway, like, would her reactions and and I don't know the way she handles these situations we kind of like explained them to ourselves as like why they made sense so like do you understand where I'm going with um, this are you saying that because she's in a fictional situation right. her reactions are more reasonable than they appear yes that's exactly what I'm saying I know you mean, but I don't know if I agree. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. Our listener's name is Sean. I was reading his email address, not his name. Oh, wait, his Um, name's not Ronald? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Let us know. I think it's Sean, but he's Irish and he has an accent on his name that I could be interpreting incorrectly. So who knows? Sean, this email is amazing. It's also very long. And so that was just an ex- I mean, I was about to say to Melissa that he lays out in detail, like, how she exhibits each of these symptoms. And I do think that, like, you know, just for example, let me find, like, intense fear of abandonment, both real and imaginary, is like, sure, she has some good reasons, for fearing that but like that seems to still apply still apply right and like chronic feelings of emptiness this is a hallmark of bpd and bella speaks at length throughout (laughs) new moon of the hole in her chest that she struggles with this inner emptiness that she finds so difficult to tolerate so true 
And like, I guess you could argue that some of these things are like narrative devices, right? Like right. the hole in her chest is like described through a narrative device. But like that still is the same as like emptiness, quote unquote emptiness. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, Edward, the hallucinations of Edward are like, it's kind of unclear. Right, like we- the like true underlying like- Right, like we say that she's a witch, but like she's not actually a witch. <laughs> she's a human and right. like are the hallucinations like a narrative device or is that like who what is happening to her as a person right. as a fictional character and I think it's like actually happening to her here's my question for Sean uh one of these paragraphs is identity issues people with BPD often struggle to find where they fit and are unsure of their own identity You'll often see patients with BPD change their jobs, friend groups, religion, and other identity factors multiple times in their lives, trying to find an identity in which they feel whole and themselves. This is Bella wanting to literally change her species. She wants to be a vampire almost as much as she wants Edward. More evidence of BPD. Here's my question for you, Sean. When Bella does change her species, she acts like... I mean, we'll have to reread Breaking Dawn. Does um, becoming a vampire eliminate your mental illness? I mean, well, I want to know. Meyer, probably. I want to know if her becoming a vampire and no longer experiencing a lot of these symptoms means that, in fact, she didn't have BPD. Because I would assume. Right. Like, it was a thing she actually wanted and it was like a reasonable desire right. like her becoming herself instead of like trying on lots of identities yeah i don't know but i would for that to make sense you do have to reject the idea that becoming a vampire can cure mental illness uh which i do reject um mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i just don't want that to be true right i mean yeah that, that that doesn't make sense but it just like when we get stephanie meyer who's like well vampires are vampires because they you know get rid of every imperfection and like I guess it depends on like how you classify mental illness right as like being a deficient I mean you're not it certainly doesn't patron (laughs) really welcome Erin hi I only noticed right now because I'm in our email inbox right now that's amazing (laughs) sorry to interrupt go ahead exciting Uh, Well, becoming a vampire certainly doesn't make you happy, as we can tell from rereading Midnight Sun. And I mean, Edward still lacks basic emotional maturity on many levels. Yeah, Sean, if you could diagnose Edward next. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let us know. Um, We have a bunch more emails, but I think that we should kind of break them up over the next few episodes so so that we can get into Midnight Sun, but mm-hmm. since it's a really quick one, I want to, even though it's out of order, I want to read Holy Crow from <laughs> Des. Des, I really loved this email. It was very delightful. Des writes, so I found your podcast after your collab with Gender Forking Remember Twilight, and I binged all your episodes. Oh, thank you, Des. Love it. As a recovering Mormon, barring that terminology from one of your recovering Catholic moms, if I remember correctly, <laughs> I am happy to answer all your religious questions concerning the Twilight Saga and offshoots. Keep on keeping on, Des. P.S. <laughs> Holy Crow is one of the least popular Mormon swears. <laughs> oh, my Lanta is probably the objective worst, but also, unfortunately, the most popular besides Oh, my heck. I had no idea that Oh My Lanta was a Mormon thing. I, I didn't know Holy Crow was even real. I didn't, I didn't know that was a real thing. Either. And I love that, that she calls life. it, I love that Des calls it the least popular Mormon swear. Like, not only did Stephanie pick a Mormon swear, she picked an unpopular one. <laughs> But imagine if Bella had been in Edward's speeding car and she went, oh, my Lanta! (laughs) I mean, it's almost as bad as Holy Crow. Oh, my heck, you're going way too fast. (laughs) Des, thank you for this email. We will absolutely be following up with you to ask questions. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to call in this favor. Yeah. 
just so you know. I'm ready to make Des regret offering. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Oh, wait, I actually have one more thing to say, which is that you guys, I try really hard to respond to all the emails, but I've really dropped the ball over the past like eight weeks. And that's because the world (laughs) is really hard and I'm really tired. And I will, everyone who hasn't been responded to yet by one of us, like I'll get to it at some point. And it's not that I don't love you. We try. It's me or Olivia, but I was being generous (laughs) to you, Melissa. It's mostly Maya. (laughs) Um, Like, I'm going to get to it at some point. The world is just hard, and so it's hard to do things. Now, chapter two, Midnight Sun. Open book. Who's recapping? Um, I mean, I can. Didn't prep. Like an open book (laughs) test, you know? Oh, my God. Okay. Once again, these chapters are hella long. Um, But basically, we open up with chapter two. Uh, Edward is in um, Alaska. I always forget where it actually lives. Yeah, it's Alaska. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of Twilight snow. Man, are you? <laughs> there's a lot of snow. He's sitting in the snow specifically. Um, he's ruminating on his current conundrum. Um, he has an exchange with Tanya. Tanya. I think it's Tanya. I think it's Tanya. I so I know a Tanya. That's you why. know a Tanya. Yeah, I've never heard that in my life. Um, bring, bring her on the podcast. <laughs> Talk about Tanya, that. how does it feel to be called Tanya? <laughs> um, and we find out that she like has a crush on him and he just like sits more in the snow and then apparently comes to some conclusion that I don't really understand and decides to go back to Forks. Um, and then we jump ahead to him just like going to lunch and <laughs> They're all, like, prepared for this to be, like, the apocalypse uh, in this lunchroom, but they're being all, like, really cute and, like, actory about it with the snow fight. It's really interesting. Um, but, yeah, he still can't read Bella's mind. She's an enigma, but one that he discovers maybe he doesn't hate. It's a fascinating um, trail of thought that we go through um, with Edward here. And then we go to biology class, and it's really painful for him, but he doesn't do anything like kill her. You know, it's not nearly as dramatic as the first time around. For really, example, this is, like kill her. Yeah, like kill her. Um, it's really just a repeat of the first chapter, but Edward is now in a completely different headspace for reasons I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? And- that description made it sound a lot more interesting than reading it actually was. <laughs> Like, it's You're essentially welcome. the first chapter, but through a completely different lens. It's like, ooh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at recaps. Um, anyway, so they get out of biology, and then Edward meets up with his family, and is like, hey, guess what? Nothing happened, and I don't know. I didn't really finish recapping or, like, that's rereading it. this chapter, but I think Scratch that's it. it. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Um, and that I'm, brings us to page 50. 50. They <laughs> went into this chapter hoping to have more positive feelings about it, and I really don't yet. Okay, so when I first read this Wait, are you going to rate me? Yeah, I'm going to give you an A-, minus because you know what? You What happened to the number system? <laughs> I, as I was started to think of a number, I was like, every time I say, like, a number, Melissa fights me over the number, so okay. maybe a letter will be Here's the thing about like the that. American grade system. The range is too small, because if we give each other anything less than an A-, minus, we're all gonna get upset and nasty. Yeah, and but I got an A-, minus, so. Yeah, this time, I was gonna give you a six, which, guess what, is a failing grade. Yeah, 60% <laughs> is failing. <laughs> Melissa's face. <laughs> a six? Why? She just can't even handle it. You're just I was reading about the to chapter. Say six. I was about to say a six and then remembered that I just always give everybody a six and maybe yeah. that's unfair. I can't be held accountable for the fact that the chapter is just the same as the previous chapter. <laughs> you could have just said it's the same. I did say that. <laughs> that's why I gave you 
an A minus because <laughs> your point about it essentially being the first chapter the same event through a again. different lens moved beyond regular recap into analysis. Wow. And so I felt like it made up for any shortcomings. I, I give your analysis an A. Thank you. I, you give your rating of my of my recap an oh my A. <laughs> Our whole podcast is going to become us grading each other on everything that we do, and it's going to be insufferable. So I'm going to move on to the first time that I read this chapter, I was like, I felt very cheated because yeah. this was like one of the few things where I was like, wow, where in Twilight do they spend time apart? This is one example. And I was like, oh, we're going to like meet new people. We're going to hear new conversations, hear Edward's take on stuff. Instead of that, he lies in the snow miserably for six days. Yep. And he has one conversation with Tanya. Yep. And And it's like four pages. And then we're back to forks. I was so disappointed when I read this. It's not even like four pages, is it? Yeah, it is. It's four and a half pages. Barely. It doesn't even feel like it's four pages. It feels like it's one page. Um, It doesn't make sense to me at all because at the end of this little trip to Alaska, Edward has apparently decided that he's going to go back to Forks and be like, fine. But his, like, what we get in his, like, thought process does not point to any kind of conclusion like like that. Get him to a new place. Right, like, he just goes over the problem of her being really good smelling And then Tanya is like, oh, well, you always take your problems head on. And he's like, you're right. And he goes back (laughs) to Forks. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't mean that you're now suddenly able to do it, like, in a a positive way. You're just, you've just decided that you're going to go meet it head on. But, like, that doesn't mean that that you can do so successfully. Right, and he kind of just thinks about, like, well, if I went anywhere else, I would just still be thinking about this, and I would be running away from it instead of confronting it. That's kind of his own Right, so, like, I get the confronting part, but after this little trip to Alaska, he seems to be in a place where he's like, I can do this. And I'm like, I don't understand why you now can do this one before you couldn't. His argument in Twilight was more compelling because in (laughs) Twilight, he says, you know, I've been out there like breathing the clear Alaskan air and I was like, she can't smell that good. Right. (laughs) That's very convincing. Uh, But we don't actually like see him thinking about that, which is interesting. And then he's like, I mean, he's convinced enough about himself to go back, but he's not actually convinced. Like he really thinks that he might murder her. Right, exactly. Like he says, he even says at the bottom of page 27, um, which is when he's actually back in Forks, he says, you know, of course we'll sit in our regular spot. Stop worrying. You're getting on my nerves. I'll be absolutely fine. Like based on what information? And if I weren't positive that I could handle this moment, I would have stayed home. I was like, like well, how? How are you positive? What? It's true. And you're not positive. No. And they have this whole, I mean, this comes later, but later on, Alice says that she is 93% sure that nothing bad will happen if he goes to class. And it's like, you know, that's actually not that sure when the 7% chance, like at least part of the 7% chance is her being murdered violently in front of a bunch of people. I wouldn't take those odds for you, Alice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I wouldn't take 7% odds on your life. Even if it's, like, I don't know, 2% chance that something bad happens that's not him murdering her and a 5% chance that he murders her. Like, that's not, right. not good. Was, I mean, not like, good. they told us that COVID was, like, a 1% chance and <laughs> everyone sensible was, like, stay home. Nope. <laughs> got everything down. 1% is way too high. So 7%? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right, Melissa, that his, like, emotional progression here is not particularly... And, like, this is where I wanted... That. That, exactly. Like, you know, when we're thinking about Midnight Sun, it's like, okay, well, what do I want to read? It's like, I want to read Edward working through how he can be okay with something that, you know, a chapter ago was impossible. Right. And it doesn't happen at all. He just goes and sits in the snow. Speaking of sitting in the snow, I would like to call out uh, my friend's worst sentence. Katie, (laughs) hi Katie. We went to college together 
um katie texted me about how bad the writing in this book is and her the line that she referenced was on page 24 a blizzard of snow flew up around me the stars went black and i was buried deep in the feathery ice crystals referring to snow as feathery ice crystals was very offensive (laughs) to her um so hi katie (laughs) thanks for listening the other thing that I'd like to touch on here is Tanya herself, um, who again is like, okay, interesting new person who I don't know very well because I didn't get to know anybody during Breaking Dawn. And mm-hmm. Tanya just is Rosalie. She's just Rosalie. Yeah. She's a beautiful blonde woman who always gets whoever she wants, who is kind of interested in Edward and he is not interested in her and like offends her vanity by saying that he's not interested in her. And, like, that's her entire, that's it. That's all of it. Hey, don't forget that she's the original succubus. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, and then there's this. <laughs> I, like, can't help, like, then my mind starts going, like, how does that work with human men? Like, well, I mean, and then, not like, she really mind do anything. She's so beautiful. She just stands in front of them. There's also this, like, very unconvincing explanation about their relationship to human men, which is that, you know, her memories of thousands of successful conquests, mostly Tanya preferred human men. They were much more populous, for one thing, with the added advantage of being soft and warm and always eager, definitely, blah, 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 blah. Unlike Carlisle, Tanya and her sisters had discovered their consciences slowly. In the end, it was their fondness for human men that turned them against the slaughter. Now the men they loved lived. Like, I mean, you, it's not a very a good argument. Really? This is the most unconvincing argument I've ever read. Yeah, I don't... There, I, I don't like I don't like thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> the succubus thing makes me uncomfortable too and I don't know that I even can like explain why I just don't like it and I mean just like what we keep hearing about you know these women is that they're just so beautiful but like you know all the vampires are supposedly beautiful so obviously we would have different criteria for who we want to spend our time with like if everyone is beautiful then you know you have to focus on other things well, also, and they live which, forever. Vampires exactly. tell us, like, humans all look like lumpy little potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Dull skin and their ginormous pores, probably. I was like, why does Tanya want these human men anyway? They probably look so I gross to her. I don't know. I don't know. They're warm um, and squishy. <laughs> there is a really interesting line, kind of like middle- Oh! I was gesturing with my pen, and I just drew all over the page. Um, <laughs> um kind of like middle bottom of page 26 where tanya is basically hinting like i just don't know why you don't like me Mm -hmm. uh and edward says i'm sorry tanya you know you're far too good for me i just haven't found what i'm looking for yet which because they're talking about like romantic relationships implies that like edward has been looking right he knows like he knows that there's something i mean that would be pretty impossible not to do considering he is at all times surrounded by three couples right but in twilight he tells bella like you know i never thought i never thought about it (laughs) i i always considered myself whole and complete in myself yeah Yeah, that's all you know i was so content it's true yeah, so he does. Like, he does describe himself as content, and really, what he was was bored and comatose. Yeah, <laughs> which we're reminded of when he is finally back in the Forks cafeteria, because he's like, "Wow, like just a week ago, this was like the most <laughs> mind-numbing thing I'd ever done in my life, and here I am, yeah, like so yeah, tense." Yeah. We have no. to talk about this <laughs> stupid snowball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> oh my god listeners there are some things you just can't unread (laughs) and this is one of them so the Collins are like pretending to be human having a fun time just getting in from the snow and Alice is like okay Bella's about to come in everyone look human 
you know, put on the show for Bella. And Emmett says, human, you say? He held up his right fist, twisting his fingers to reveal a snowball he'd saved in his palm. It had not melted there. Of course, it hadn't blah, blah, blah. He had his eyes on Jasper, but I saw the direction of his thoughts. So did Alice, of course. When he abruptly hurled the ice trunk at her, she flicked it away with a casual flutter of her fingers. The ice ricocheted across the length of the cafeteria, too fast to be <laughs> visible to human eyes, and shattered with a sharp crack against the brick wall. The brick cracked, too. <laughs> what it's like i don't know it's like we i want to see them like being silly with each other but in an inhuman way but like this is what i'm getting and it's not (laughs) computing for me like Like, the flutter of her how do you like the flutter of her fingers fingers? this this piece of ice he hurls it a brick wall is that possible i guess i don't like i can't it's moving fast enough i guess ice breaking a brick wall yeah like i just don't know that i buy that and then how did she like aim it so as to not hurt yeah someone call mythbusters listeners are there (laughs) enough of you that one of you has a connection to a mythbuster let us know like how did she manage to aim it it doesn't seem like she looked She's perfect. She doesn't have to look when she's <laughs> aiming the fluttering and like no one ball. really has a, a an appropriate reaction to this. It just says the heads in that corner of the room all turn to stare at the pile of broken ice on the floor. But I'm like, also, it had a sound loud enough to like also it, like the brick is broken. Who is? Yeah, I believe that the ice could go fast enough to crack the brick. But Melissa is correct. That it would be very loud. Right, like a, you would have a much bigger reaction to this. Like, something you couldn't was that? see was Hit fast enough brick to break you. the brick. <laughs> also, I'm sure the ricochet of brick and ice would have like hit many people. Rosalie says, very human, Emmett. Why don't you punch through the wall while you're at it? I cannot read his response. Somebody else read it. <laughs> it would look more impressive if you did it, gorgeous. <laughs> this was definitely a moment where i was like (laughs) stephanie was like really i don't know trying to tune into this idea of emma that the fans have created and then on the same page uh emmett is like wondering what's wrong with edward and you get his thought at edward you look sick brother mine (laughs) i will just forever after our collab episode will forever read in marin from remember twilight's voice um brother mine and like i get that emmett is like weird and quirky and like funny but it's just like weird it makes me think of that doctor who episode where like, the doctor has locked away his consciousness, so he's living as a human, and these aliens come down, and they're, like, looking for the doctor, but the doctor doesn't even know that he's the doctor, <laughs> and they speak in this weird, stilted way, and they're always like, hello, brother mine. Yeah. Like. Sounds alien. Sounds alien. <laughs> uh, and then also we get Emmett being like, yo, does it really matter if you kill her? Like, it's fine. Right. And I'm like, this also just doesn't jive with the whole premise that we've set up about them caring so much about humanity that they've decided not to eat people at all. I'm like, I don't understand you care about people or not. I don't. That's a good point because I felt conflicted about this because sometimes I'm like, you know what Twilight needs is like more murder. Like they're vampires. They would murder people. But then Emmett says this. And you're right that, like, it doesn't fit, like, the tone of everything else that she's built around them. Right, like, I I think he makes a really good point. Like, he says, you know, you've got to learn to get over these things. Like, I do. Eternity is a long time to wallow in guilt. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I agree that, you know, at this point in vampire lives, they're probably like, yeah, whatever, one person. But, like, everything previously that we know about them is their, like, human life is sacred. Right, right. Well, there's one part where Rosalie, I can't find it, but I'm pretty sure it's in this chapter, where Rosalie is like, oh, 
come on like we're almost out of high school finally like yeah that is this chapter Mm -hmm. and I think that that kind of speaks to it not really being about like valuing human life and more about like wanting to be able to live their immortal vampire lives comfortably Uh like Mm, they don't want to be nomads they want a nice house right they want to stay in one place I'm just still not convinced I've never been convinced that this is the best way to do that like why oh, can't no. they just be a house full of adults I mean, yeah, have out jobs in the middle of nowhere would even notice that they don't have jobs and like, like go to Idaho right just yeah. Off the grid. yeah That's a thing okay I want to point out that also during these conversations he thinks in his head about this is on page 31 he thinks about Bella in his head as the girl Mm-hmm. Then he pauses and goes, I should stop thinking of her that way as if she were the only girl in the world. And I realized upon rereading, because I know that he will, in fact, continue to call her mm-hmm. the girl for like another two thirds of this book, that it's very strange to me that this sentence implies that calling her the girl is supposed to make her seem more important to him when right. I find it very offensive and dehumanizing. Dehumanizing, exactly. And belittling to call so her. Like- the girl i appreciate the sentence being here at any point just because like an explanation of why he's doing it right because i mean like i i I read that and i'm like oh well that's kind of sweet like she is the only girl in the world because girl she's the The girl girl. right except it doesn't read like that in practice it does not read like that no we're reading this as adults and remember <laughs> that we first read Twilight as like impressionable baby children. So <laughs> if we had read Midnight Sun the way that we first read Twilight and like gone down that same rabbit hole and become obsessed, you know that like the girl would have given us a complex. Oh yeah. Like Melissa now would be like, <laughs> I just like, like if I am not the only girl and he ever thinks about or imagines as a complex human being with actual interest he he would need to respond to like call me the melissa because i'm the only (laughs) melissa (laughs) and then like there's also there's so much in this chapter already about like how bella is different from regular girls even though she's just like all of us just like all of us like right at the beginning the first thing that surprises him is that there's no rumors swirling about the cullens because he's like a normal girl after seeing me glare at her and try to switch out of her biology class would have asked around compared experiences blah 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 there would have been all of these rumors floating about us and there's not which means that she's no like that's not like she's a brand new person in this brand new school she's not gonna be like yo are those cullens like freakily like i don't know angry at you all the time i would have thought like oh maybe they're gonna think the same thing about me maybe there's something right. about like, me oh, i must be that weird. is universally hated right <laughs> like, I, normal. I think this speaks to the variation within normalcy because i would call <laughs> jessica up that night and be like what the you are fuck? never gonna leave this and I then jessica would love me because i give her good gossip I don't know. I just remember being a young person, I mean, uh, who moved around a lot. And so I went to a lot of new schools. Mm. And like, within the first week, I don't say anything to anyone that I'm not convinced is a very regular, normal thing (laughs) to say. Like, I'm not going to say anything that's going to give anyone a non-normal opinion of me. Because I'm trying to... Like, I love the color blue. Exactly. with water. Edward's description. Like, he makes sweeping statements about humanity all the time because he can read everybody's minds. He, he does put a lot of emphasis on all of them wanting to fit in. Except, obviously, he also contradicts himself constantly because... I think he has a bad Bella doesn't like attention on her, so he's like, most humans felt the opposite, though they didn't want to stand out from the herd at the same time they craved a spotlight for their individual uniformity. Which doesn't I make think he sense has a bad He's so I, mean. In what I, way? I, because I remember also specifically in moving from school to school, and especially in middle school, 
wanting to conform in order to get in, you know, everyone's circles. And then once I was established as a regular person, then I stand out and everyone's like, oh, wait, no, she's not a regular person. She's cool. <laughs> right. She's like, better. like everyone wants to be cool. Everyone wants like, to blend in, but be you cool. You acclimate and then you, and then you differentiate yourself. Like if you I differentiate remember differentiate yourself off the bat, you're weird. Right, exactly. Right. You you risk ostracizing yourself like permanently, you know. But you know, I conform to all the local rituals, and then when I'm ingrained in them, then I begin to wear rainbow leg warmers on my arms to be cool and boas in my hair <laughs> to make sure everyone knows that I'm actually much different than them and better. Well, maybe actually, he's right, you're a protagonist. Maybe he's right. <laughs> Let's jump ahead to biology class. It's a lot about her eyes. <laughs> There's it's another sentence I have to I have to bring up. Wait, um, is it in the middle of page 35? Yep. <laughs> That's my worst sentence. <laughs> you want to read it? Yeah. Um, as I stared into those oddly deep brown eyes, M dash. The color was like milk chocolate, but the clarity was more comparable to strong tea. There was a depth and a transparency, semicolon. Near her pupils, there were tiny flaks of agate, 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 green and golden caramel, M dash. I realized that my hate, comma, the hate I'd imagined this girl <laughs> somehow deserved for simply existing, comma, had evaporated, period. I wrote all one second. <laughs> <laughs> like and another one goes through and never stopped. Why do we have to go keep oddly deep? Like literally this chapter is a repeat of the first chapter. M dash is oddly deep in depth of them. Color like milk chocolate, but like the clarity was like tea. tea? <laughs> um, I feel like this pairs very well with his description of her face. Um, might I, might I also read this one at the same time? We'll allow it. (laughs) She was actually sort of pretty for a human in an unusual way. Better than being beautiful, her face was dot, 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 unexpected. Not quite symmetrical, M dash. (laughs) Her narrow chin out of balance with her wide cheekbones, semicolon, extreme in the coloring, M dash. The <laughs> contrast of her light skin and dark hair, semicolon. And then there were the eyes, too big for her face, brimming over with silent secrets. <laughs> Wait, what page was she that? She sounds, it's the bottom of page 38. She sounds like I just tried to imagine this, and she was right. like a heart shape with like gigantic eyes. Right. Like, like a an anime herself. person. She's an anime yeah. person in this description. And we also, I mean, he keeps describing her as, like, vulnerable and delicate also in this chapter. It actually really reminded me of Bo from Life and Death, which makes me feel like the way that Stephanie imagines men seeing women as attractive Mm -hmm. involves delicacy and fragility and vulnerability. Yeah, that's which like a lot to unpack. at least like makes sense in the context of like Edward's power and Bella's human weaknesses, but seeing it in life and death really just amplified all of it because that was the opposite dynamic, and yet she made it the same dynamic. I mean, you're it makes just me uncomfortable. Correct. <laughs> They're doing the lab where they like look at cells and identify them. And this was extremely fun from Bella's perspective, her kind of like haughtiness, like right. I would like to take a look as well. And it's also pretty fun from Edward's perspective. I hate it. My worst There's sentence a, in here. There was a part where, you know, Bella's like, well, can I check? And he's like, could she really believe? Blah blah blah. I'm like she doesn't know you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> she doesn't know that of course you're she would want to double check. I just can I read my worst sentence, which is also kind yeah, of like my worst paragraph. Do it. Jumping ahead. Um, but anyway, so this is where Mr. Banner comes over and is you know like questioning whether oh or not God, Edward going to read. Edward did the entire lab, and you know he's like I didn't, and um, Mr. Banner's like, did you do this before? And I was like, yeah, I did. 
you know, this surprised him. Today's lab was something he pulled from a senior class course. Were you in an advanced placement program in Phoenix? Yes. My worst sentence is, she was advanced then. <laughs> I can't even get through it. Comma, intelligent for a human. This did not surprise me. She's advanced yeah. then. I feel like I skimmed over this the first time I read it, but this time I was like, she was advanced is a very strange thing to say. I literally just wrote, I'm gagging, and also, I just almost gagged now. I just want to say, like, I took biology in sophomore year, yeah. and you do the biology labs. Like, yeah. the science levels that you do in high school are just, like, and you like, do them when you do that kind of science. They're not even, like, yeah. Like, the fact that she was in an advanced placement program of science in high school previously signals to Edward that she's advanced. advanced. <laughs> and it's like, he's been to college. Like, he must know that, like, has, like high school in Washington <laughs> is not, like, the most, I don't know. It's but, not necessarily the most rigorous high school education that right. you can get in the so continental like, United States. Yes. Like, okay, yeah, you exactly. can do a high school lab biology, like, stupid lab. And, and not Stella is smart, but to right. be like, oh, she like took an AP she's class. Advanced. She's <laughs> advanced. Yeah, plus like knowledge like not- is not the same as intelligence. Like just because right. she took this other class already. Right. Like, okay, yeah, I can agree that maybe Bella is advanced, but it's not for this reason. <laughs> yeah. I feel like here we also start to get, we've sort of already touched on this. It's going to come up this entire book. The like Stephanie explaining how Edward got to a particular line of dialogue in a right. very clumsy way. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%. Like, like, and from Bella's side, it wasn't weird. Like the right. conversation flowed naturally from Bella's side. So mm-hmm. I don't know why it was like so hard to do from the other side. So they're like, if this is when he she says okay he says it's too bad about the snow isn't it and she says not really his next line is you don't like the cold i guess that's that that tracks very naturally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she said actually it's not too bad about the snow and he's like you don't like the cold but the intervening paragraph is i tried to steer the conversation back to trite paths she was from a much brighter warmer place her skin seemed to reflect that somehow despite its fairness and the cold must make her uncomfortable. My icy touch certainly had. You don't like the cold, I guess. I was like, well, just say the just, next so, just say sentence. It. it follows naturally. You don't have to like make him think about her skin, which paradoxically, even though she's translucently pale, <sighs> indicates to him that she's from somewhere warmer. Yep. <laughs> if she was tan, it would make sense. But he ruminates repeatedly on how translucently pale she is. As an editor, you just cut that out. Just cut the whole paragraph. Cut, cut the paragraph. And if you feel the need to explain the edit, you can be like, not sure what this is adding. Not necessary. Cutting for flow. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh. I haven't said it in a while. Where was her editor? <laughs> rushed. We've already determined. Rushed. I think yeah. the answer here is rushed. <laughs> She's probably looking at the word count of this thing now. like, Jesus. Oh my. <laughs> I guess we're just going to print it. Like, Maybe we can sell week. it for $27.99 since it's so fucking long. You know what? At a certain point, it's just good business. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to a part that I liked. Um, Wait, yeah, I have something right after that. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, Forks must be a difficult place for you to live. Then he's thinking, perhaps you should not have come here. I wanted to add, <laughs> perhaps you should go back where you belong. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Bella was probably born in Forks. So why don't you go back where you belong, Edward? Anyway, what did you like, Melissa? <laughs> um, there was just a part, you know, where they're still talking and... I don't know, we do kind of get to see kind of Edwards beginning to like her. I mean, it, it it's a lot easier to see when you don't see all of his, like, I don't know, expo- like expositioning about how he's explaining all these thoughts. 
but it's a part on 42 where she's explaining that Phil travels a lot. And, you know, Bella gives a little smile that grew more pronounced. I smile too without choosing the expression. I wasn't trying to make her feel at ease. Her smile just made me want to smile in response to be in on the secret. I was like, okay, well, that's really nice because we constantly get Edward being like, I rearranged my face so that it was a pleasant expression to humans and they wouldn't be afraid of me. And so it was like really nice to just be like, wait, I'm just like naturally smiling to something that she said, like, like a response that just happens and I didn't think through. Like, uh uh-huh. It's true. The main thing that we learned that Edward is starting to like about Bella is her selflessness and martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Um, which I similarly I get. Obviously, you want somebody who's not self-centered. Mm-hmm. But I do kind of feel like this edges into like her being like a martyr. Which we certainly see from her side. Like, we know that she does not value her own needs highly enough for, like, a person with regular strong self-esteem. And he seems to value that. But to admire that in someone? Yeah, he seems to admire it. You really don't like yourself. Instead of recognizing it as, like, slightly low self-esteem. Right. He's like, wow, she's such a martyr and, like, a selfless, good woman. (laughs) I wonder if we should be like looking internally because I do feel like as a society we value people who do that like yes if you watch any kind of improvement show where someone gets surprised with like a makeover or like getting their house organized or whatever it is their nominator is always like they are such an amazing person they always put everyone's needs before their own and they never do anything for themselves and that's why it's so important to me that like the fab five come and fix their life here's the thing about the fab about queer eye though is that that's absolutely 100 percent true they do usually attempt to tell them to stop doing that yeah i perhaps (laughs) i shouldn't have picked the fab five but like it'll be like a home but i know what you mean or like whatever like we really deserve a new house because you're like that I think there's an element here where Edward, I think, probably doesn't generally see true selflessness because he can read minds. He -hmm. probably reads a lot of put-upon pretending selflessness, like, oh, I want people to think that I'm- the complexity of it. Right, exactly. Like, is anyone ever truly, like, a completely selfless person? But, like, for him, maybe Bella is because he doesn't understand or see any of her reasonings Mm -hmm. behind what she does. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's very very interesting. interesting. Like, his relationship with her can be more satisfying than his relationship with other people. Right. Because, like, it's not colored by her being, like... And he doesn't recognize that. Yeah. Right. He's just like, wow, she's so different from everyone I've ever known. Instead of just, like, extrapolating, like, oh, well, based on what she's saying, she's probably thinking this. Right. Because she's, like, so unpredictable. I also, I find this concept to be extremely Christian. Like, oh, I've just known yeah. a lot of, like, super Christian or Catholic moms who, like, this is the ideal. The ideal is that, totally. like, you completely subsume your own needs to your family's needs. hmm Totally. I'm sure that's a Mormon thing, too. Uh, Des? I would guess so. If you could give us some Des, insight into that. Des, what do you think? That, yeah. <laughs> that would be great. So they get out of biology, all goes well. Edward goes to Spanish class, meets up with Emmett. Of course, they both (laughs) speak perfect Spanish. Um, (laughs) And Emmett is thinking to Edward, like, okay, so like, yeah, like maybe you kill her. No one would be that mad. I'm impressed that you made it this far. And Emmett starts thinking about like a time that he ran across someone who smelled particularly good to him. And Edward's like, I'm sorry, do you mind? This is hard enough. <laughs> yeah. He gets up and he leaves class to like go sit in his car. And the teacher is like, um, Emmett, would you like to go check on your brother perhaps? Um, since he just stormed out of class. And Emmett's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> And then Edward sits in his car, and that's the end of the oh chapter. God. Truly yes. a repeat. Of oh, hang on. In his car, around. he puts Very in a true. CD of violent music. Violent music. Violent music. 
yeah you're right Melissa that it is kind of a repeat and we don't really I mean I guess he's just prepared like the only difference between sitting next to her last a week ago and sitting next to her today is that he like remembers to breathe as little as possible and knows what's coming right and this time he's like he wants to sort of figure out why he's reacting the way he is Mm -hmm. you're in love and you don't know it yet (laughs) Did you guys see, I think it was a tweet that was like, if you're ever in an argument saying, ooh, you want to kiss me so bad, makes you win immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I saw that, I just think about Edward and Bella. Like, like, Edward, like, sitting all mad in his car, like, oh, Bella has inconvenienced my life. Imagine Bella, like, ooh, you want to kiss me so bad? All right, okay, best, best sentence. I already did my worst. I'm not but prepared. I'm semi prepared. I have a best. Well, I have a best paragraph, and I just need to pick a sentence. It's page forty six when Emmett is describing. I know when it happened to me, and then he starts reminiscing. Mm-hmm. Let me pick a sentence. Okay, so there's a sentence that I think is not great, but then it's followed by a sentence that I think is really lovely. So I'm just gonna read both in tandem. Mm-hmm. Emmett remembered the smell of apples hanging heavy in the air. The harvest was over and the rejected fruits were scattered on the ground, the bruises in their skin leaking their fragrance out in thick clouds. I think fragrance out in thick clouds is like, yeah, huh, not great. But then a freshly mowed field of hay was a background to that scent, a harmony. And I was yeah, like, oh, that's, that's lovely. And then it's like that whole passage is very atmospheric. It's Emmett in the past and there's like a woman hanging up her laundry to dry. And you can just like feel like the oranginess of the sunset. And it's like, it's great. Wow, lovely. Guys, we didn't even talk about how they run so fast that they leave no footprints in the snow. Which means they're floating. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It's so fast. I don't think it tracks. That's so again, we need a physicist. <laughs> like the Who's next expert, expert to write expert. in, we need yeah. a physicist. I have so many words to pick from. <laughs> I mean, are we doing best or worst right now? Pick whatever you have. Okay, well, I have an another contender for worst. Do it. It's on page 38, and Edward is thinking about how much, you know, he doesn't like Mike and <laughs> We're describing Mike and his thoughts. Wish he'd stayed wherever he went, Mike thought, eyeing me sulfurously, 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 sulfurously. And I was like, is this Edward trying to say that Mike is salty? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, kind of. (laughs) I think sulfurously is like kind of a good word here like I really get like the the tenor of Mike's expression really what does sulfurously mean to you like sulfur yeah like Like as in like sulfur like fire and brimstone yeah hellfire the element sulfur which is like yellow and toxic but like what does sulfur do I mean it just smells really disgusting and yeah it smells really bad exactly it smells really bad it's just a thing it doesn't like Staring it's like sulfurously. Toxic, I, think, I don't know. Like staring sulfurous me. It's a me metaphorical is, adverb. It's not I, a literal. I adverb. got something from it. No, I just think it was an attempt to say that Edward was feeling like or that Mike was feeling salty, but like we needed to make it kind of like Edwardian, you know? Right. So we're like, it's sulfurously. We're not on the same page on that one, but you know what? It's your worst. Your choice. You get to pick. You know what? I'm going to give Edward that really niche word, and I'm going to not give him this other one and pick as my worst sentence. Again, I gasped at the clean, wet air outside as though it was a healing attar. Attar? I don't know this word, and it just feels unnecessary that you would use a word. That's true. Like this. I mean, time for no reason. That is, once again, though, technically, that's an appropriate word. I'm so sure it's exactly correct. for the exactly same correct. reason that you thought sulfurously was fine, I think that that word is fine. You guys, Erin has updated her pledge. <laughs> no way. 
This have has fun. been such a fun recording session. I like glanced at our email again. <laughs> and Aaron's edited her pledge. Thanks, Aaron. Wow. Well, before we get to our credits and Wait, I haven't said best Patreon, sentence. I haven't done my best sentence either. Okay. That's exactly what I was gonna <laughs> say. Okay, I picked my best sentence. Today my nerves were stretched tight. Piano wires tense to sing at the lightest pressure. Um, since he plays piano, I appreciated this metaphor. I like that. Yeah, that was good. I like I like a nice appropriate metaphor. My best sentence is just like a sentence that really makes sense to me. Um, given that I think a lot of Edward's extrapolating doesn't make sense. And it's when, you know, we are really delving into Bella's martyrdom. And Edward says, but now you're unhappy, he murmured. Um, <laughs> and Bella says, and? Um, you know, as if this was not even an aspect to be considered. And Edward says, in his mind, I saw in that one word where she ranked herself among her own priorities. You're like, yes, exactly. This is like the appropriate sort of it's true interpretation interpretation of the dialogue that we didn't have from Bella's point of view true. that like adds to I don't know what I understand Edward's opinion of her to be and like why he would begin to like her in this way. Very true. Very yeah, that's true. interesting. Uh. All right. And that's that's it. That's the episode. Email us with questions, comments, etc. at twilightfacepodcast at gmail.com. Expert advice always Please. welcome to your we love experts. If you'd like to support the podcast, check out patreon.com slash twilightfacepodcast. Shout out to our current patrons, Jillian, Melina, Bridget, Eric, Samantha, and Aaron! Aaron! <laughs> welcome you can follow us at twilight underscore phase on twitter and instagram and twilight phase podcast on tumblr disclaimer we own nothing twilight universe and all characters belong only to stephanie meyer please don't sue us audio editing by me you want to split it olivia oh yeah that sounds good olivia valcarce and maya marlette wow. teamwork cover image by laura Shermer. our theme music is written and performed by adrian mooring we'll be back next week and if you don't like it, you can fight me. <laughs> Go, Bye, vote. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote. Go vote.